Welcome to episode 55 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome to episode 55. And wouldn't you know it, we're not in the same place once again. Oh, we are far from the same place. We are far. We can't, I just can't get in my car and drive and see you. Here's the thing. Not only are we not in the same place, it's, well, no, I guess it is the same day now. When we, when we got on this call, it was different days. That's true. That's just true. Uh, I am in Vienna. <laughs> uh, that's Austria, not Oklahoma. Yes. And uh, Gabe is in the United States in Los Angeles. It is 9.15 a.m. my time. 12.15 a.m. Gabe's time. Oh, yes. This is the latest we've gone to, uh, for me, to record the podcast. But Yes, that is true. Couldn't uh, be happier. I am in, I can't believe this, but I am in a hotel in Vienna, uh, a city I've never visited before. Yes. Uh, folks, it's quite beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking out the door, out this window, sorry. Out this window is the Vienna Opera House. It's out that window. Oh, we've got so much to talk about. But uh, before we get into about. why you're in Vienna and why you're doing this world tour, yes, which we will discuss. Um, yes. Do you know that 55 years ago? <laughs> what was 1968? 1968. <laughs> that listen. I'm going to be in Prague next week. In 1968, that's a big year on oh, the calendar. Oh yes, there you go. There you go. 1968. Uh, 60- Eight. Uh, you did that math with enormous aplomb. I have by the, the way. probably the biggest calculator in front of me you've ever seen, <laughs> and uh, you punch in the numbers, and it goes da 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 da, and paper comes out, and that's how I figured it out. Wow. Uh, so 1968 was indeed 55 years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so new glasses. I have my what? glasses on. Um, okay, let's took, hear about it, baby. I took my contacts out. You ready? And this is a yeah. camera you know that I don't, which hey. is probably a couple of them. Okay, ready? The Petri Color 35. Oh, guys. Can you talk about it? Because this is one we talked about briefly a long time ago, but I have not used it. Now, I will tell you, I've owned several of these over the years, but I just want to preface this encomium yes. by saying I don't have one anymore. Right. Okay? This is what I will tell you. Petri Kuribayashi made terrible cameras. Truly terrible, abysmal cameras that you will find on the trash table at your local camera show. Huh. No one should ever want a Petri. But through a freakish alignment of circumstances, they made a camera in 1968, which was sort of a knockoff of the Roll-I 35. Okay? That's what they asked. That, is, that's it. That was the yeah, point. Yeah. Which is a design masterpiece. Many people find it better than the Roll-I 35. Let me describe it. Oh, my gosh. As we've said about the Roll-I 35, it is roughly the size of two deck of cards. Two decks of cards. I've lost the ability to plural things because I'm in Europe. Um, <laughs> it's roughly the size of two decks of cards stacked one atop the other. It has a 40 millimeter, I believe, f2.8 lens, which is retractable via a finger wheel atop the uh, back of the camera. It's got a really beautifully designed exposure system Two wheels, an aperture wheel on the front, and a 
but aligned on the top plate, okay? Oh, wow. So you can work the aperture wheel with your index finger and the shutter wheel with your thumb. It is one of the most organic and easy-to-use exposure meters ever, and it's got the needle and lollipop in the viewfinder. So you spin needles until it bisects the lollipop and kabam, perfect exposure. It is scale focus. Not everyone loves that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it because I'm good at judging distances. And the lens is nice. Uh, like the Rollei 35, it has a removable back. I mean, they're very, very similar cameras. I have had many of them. The last one I owned was a black paint Petri Color 35, but I sold it because I have a Rollei 35 SE that I use a lot more. But Guys, why? Tell if, me why. Tell me why. I'm interested. I'll tell you, the SE has an LED-based exposure meter that I find a little bit faster to use. Right. And the, uh, the sonar lens on the Rollei is just a slightly better lens than the one on the Petri. Oh, wow. Is it worth the, the 2X expense factor right. for a 35 SE versus a Color 35? No, it's not. I say, if you, guys, if you ever see a Petri Color 35, snap it up. Um, they tend to be hard, <laughs> hard-worn and dented, like the Rollei 35 itself. But they are great cameras. Great ones. I love one of that. my white whales, by the way, one of my white whales... Oh, that's great. Is the Color 35 Custom. And what's the big difference there? Which is a rare there? variant. It looks different and has a higher shutter speed. Oh, wow. There's also the 35D, which is extremely rare. But guys, do not be deceived. The 35E is a bad camera. Oh, boy. It, has a, it is larger and it has a fixed lens and it's just not as neat. So there you wow, go. That's amazing. I love that. I love your you excited about that camera too. Here's here's another one that you may or may not have used. And that is a Soviet camera. It's the Fed Micron. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it is a half frame camera that came out and that they actually manufactured from 68 to 85. What? So um Fed it it Micron. was designed for the 35 millimeter film, but it's a half frame as you love. So Wow. It's interesting. I've never oh, seen one. Yeah. But it, they're, I, I've they're... seen pictures of these. Yeah. yeah. It's this is what I this is what it says here. It is a close copy of the Konica Eye, which right. is a camera I have owned. Right. It looks a lot like the Trip 35 and the Pen EE and so forth. I've used a Konica Eye and I didn't like it very much. No. But I have seen these feds around. As you know, I'm kind of allergic to Soviet cameras, with the exception of the Lomo LCA, which I owned for a while. Right. Uh but yes, that's very interesting, though. Fed Micron, listen, I know you picked that out because it was half frame. I know. Thank you. That's true. And, and I, I guess the, the last, I mean, you know, Konica had the Auto Reflex T. And great then, machine. Yeah, great machine. And the other one, which I haven't used, I have used the Konica, is the Practica Super TL. I don't know that one. I didn't know My it either. My first SLR was a Practica, but it was the German, you know, uh, SLR from the 30s. Right. So the Super TL from 68, I don't know anything about. Right. I am very into the M42 screw mount these days. Oh, that's so uh, good. Yeah, but I'm uh, so don't interested. know that one. I, I, you know, it just amazes me that there are cameras we haven't heard of or seen still. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, I mean, we've it seen is quite remarkable. hundreds of cameras, and there's cameras that I'll go, what is that? I've never even seen it. I sent you a picture of one, you had never seen it. Yeah, it was great. and this is particularly true. When I went to that camera show in London, right. I saw 
just it's an entirely different slice of the market. You see oh, lots yeah. of top cons. Right. You know, you, you never see top con no. cameras in the U.S. Uh, you see the whole range of top cons. You see lots and lots of machines that you just don't see as much. Right, so, that's crazy. Yes, and Practica is another one that's primarily a European brand. You don't see Practica yeah. as much in the U.S. I mean, I saw, and I tell you, like the, the way this came up and, and just talking about cameras was I went to hang out with Allie from One Month Two Cameras. And if you have a chance to yeah. see her YouTube channel, it's fantastic. So it's it's One Month Two Cameras. I can say there is someone who has a real amazing camera collection that is completely yeah. different than mine. And it's wow. just it's so fun. Like she's great. And I won't give away the episode because I'm sure she's working on it uh, at the moment, but we did it at, uh, you know, 35 millimeter pro Ben Yee was there. Nice. Rafael Hernandez was there, uh, Victoria from frame grain. And, and we also, nice. um, and a few more people, but I, I just want, uh, it, it's going to be a really fun episode and, and talked about flash and all kinds of interesting things that I learned. So that's another thing that came out of, you know, these, these camera meetups. I met all these people. and it, You've been going to a lot of these, Yeah, right? it's been really fun. It's been a blast. Is it because... Are you lonely? Yeah. No, you've abandoned me. You've abandoned me. <laughs> and you've, you've gone on this world tour. And this is what's ha what happens I'm when you're so on sorry. tour. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I do feel like I've abandoned all my friends in L.A. It's, uh, it's not right. But it's a good uh, cause. Yes, it's a good cause. At least you're getting to go to more camera meetups. Exactly. That's really good. This is true. Oh, my gosh. Well, should we dive into it all? I think we should dive into it all. I, I, I don't know quite how to finesse this. but Well, I, just I know how to finesse it. Hey, Jeff, what's new? What's new? <laughs> okay, so it's weird. We have not really addressed this directly on the podcast, no. but I, I am dating a model. Yes, you are. Who also is an author. And she has written a book, yes, uh, which came out last fall in the U.S., but is getting a gradual rollout through Central Europe, which is where she is from. So this trip is uh, a variety of appearances in various cities in Central Europe uh, to promote the book and also the occasional photo shoot in conjunction with that. So cool. Uh, Let's see. So that's it. So I'm going to a lot of cool places that I've never been. I've always wanted to go to Vienna. Right. Uh, I got to say Bratislava, not on my bucket list. Right. Uh, but <laughs> what an amazing city. Um, uh, and uh, coming up, uh, well, as I said, I'm in Vienna right now, a city I've always wanted to visit. Never thought I would get the chance to. It's incredible. And uh, next week, Prague. Right. Uh, so it's uh, pretty amazing. Right. It's pretty amazing. Um, it is also interesting to watch a professional photo shoot. You know, I, I've never even watched you work with a model. I've right. heard you describe right. working with models, but watching a professional photographer in action is fascinating. Right. Uh, the, the production of it all is fascinating. Seeing the equipment they use, yeah. the lighting, the... You know, the intense speed of the whole thing, right. um, how a model works with a photographer, uh, it's all quite fascinating. Um, and also, I am in these incredibly picturesque cities, um, so lots of opportunities to take gorgeous pictures. And then finally, again, this is just delivering the news, um, I am getting photographed a lot. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is all sort of a weird transition uh, for uh, Jeff's life, but uh, Jeff's getting yeah. photographed now, which is uh, just bizarre and fun. Yeah, which is time. bizarre. So I am meeting photographers who are who are photographing me. And okay, uh, guys, the cameras that I brought on this trip are the Hasselblad X-Pan with the 45 millimeter lens. Okay, what has become the new reliable, the second X-Pan. And the Olympus um, XA4, um, which I love. Haven't used the XA4 yet, but I have gone everywhere with the X-Pan over my shoulder. Here is an interesting thing that I learned about carrying that camera. <laughs> Photographers notice it. Totally. And I've been, yeah, totally. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, I have a lot of cameras that I love. I keep thinking about the scenario where if I had a Leica M6 over my shoulder, they would notice it, but they would think dilettante. I really believe that's true. Now, that's so I funny. mean, <laughs> I think they would think dilettante. If I had, uh, you know, an Olympus 35RD over right. my shoulder, uh, or um, a Nikon um, FM, yeah, I think they would think, ah, huh, film camera, huh, cool, film camera, huh? Probably he's one of those. Like, you know, latecomer guys who's buying vinyl records again, <laughs> you know, and probably decided to buy one of those. Uh, when you have an X-Pan over your shoulder, photographers perk up. Yeah, it's true. It, it is not, I dare say, uh, I'm sure the teeming millions may disagree on this. It is not a dilettante's camera. <laughs> it is a camera that you buy if you're very serious about a particular type of analog photography. And many photographers have come up to me and said, oh my God, can I look through it? Or I used to own one. This photographer who was doing this shoot yesterday with my girlfriend said he used to own one and he was just, he was letting out those sighs uh, of like, oh God, it's such a great machine. Oh, how long have you had it? Show me some of your shots with it. Like people are interested in a way that they're oh, just hundred percent. Yeah. It also, it, it has, look, it has a unique look. You're going, oh, that's a camera. And then you go, wow, that's a really big camera. And that's a really yes. interesting camera. So you go through the, all, all those things. And yeah. it's like a Hasselblad, and not a regular Hasselblad. Yeah, it's really Exactly. Cool. And it's got the wooden grip. Oh, beauty. You know, so people notice the wooden grip. And it's like, it just it just is attention getting. I didn't, guys, you know, I I did not bring it for the attention i bring it because it's the camera i'm hooked on right now right but it is interesting and it makes a friend of these photographers be it these portrait shooters you know or the people who are following us around right. so it just you know people want to you know show me their instagram right and, oh can we connect with each other and it just is i'm meeting a lot of photographers is i guess what i'm saying i love that um yeah, so it's it's been an interesting sort of passport to conversations with photographers of all stripes right. on this trip, which has been pretty amazing. That's great. That's <laughs> that's that's uh, that camera. I'm telling you, that's a good one. And I'll and I'll tell you this: it doesn't. It, it's I don't know. I think I don't, I, I don't know. I just think it's it it has a different effect, and I don't feel like an idiot carrying the thing around in a way that I might feel like an idiot if I was pulling out my XA4 macro. I don't, do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're I, saying. I know what you're saying because yeah. I think 
the the I was trying to think this, you know, what camera gets the most attention, but it has to be the Roloflex. No matter what. Oh, yeah. Even if there I have go. the Leica or whatever, it's just sort of there's something about the Roloflex, the way it looks, the two lenses, that, that that's a lot of photographers come up. Yeah, I think it's more very than, similar than because yeah. the Roloflex is a photographer's camera. Yeah. It's not a snapshot camera. It's not a it's not like the contacts, you know, uh, you know a uh, Kylie Jenner camera. It's right. like it's a real photographer's camera and yes, it does not mark you as a Johnny come lately. Right. It marks you as someone who is pretty serious about what you do and has chosen that tool for a very specific purpose. Yeah, totally. I am not very serious, but still. <laughs> um Here's the other thing about the X-Pan. Yes. Phenomenal camera on this trip. I mean, just the ease of use, a fast-focusing, aperture-priority rangefinder. It is so easy to shoot with. You know, I don't love uh, electric film advances, but it does make things go quickly. Wow. I am burning two rolls a day. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Two rolls a day. Between the... You know, photography in these amazing cities, yeah. you know, the castles. And I went to this uh, Mies van der Rohe villa in Brno, which is one of the masterpieces of modern architecture. So between these astounding locations and then also shooting like behind the scenes stuff right. at these photo shoots, two rolls a day. Yesterday, I burned three rolls. Wow. Now, of course, when we say this, I get 20 shots to a roll because mm -hmm. it's panoramic. But still... It's going at quite a clip. I bought 10 more rolls of Portra 400 before I left. And, of course, I had to go through all the hassles at security with that right. stuff. You know, they, as they painstakingly, like, run the gunpowder brush over one film canister after another. But I'm going to run out. I'm going to have to reload oh, in wow. Prague because very soon I'm going to burn through the rest of the film that I've got. That's amazing. But it's a great machine. I think Portra's the right thing to have brought. Uh, you know, I was in upstate New York with my siblings and uh, went to a local camera store and bought some Kodak Ultramax 400, mm -hmm. which I don't believe I... Have you shot with that no, film stock? I have not. Uh, it's a budget film stock. You know, it goes for 10 bucks a roll rather than 15 <laughs> Right. Um, and I thought I would shoot with Ultramax. And the shots are nice. I don't think it's as nice as Portra. Yeah. Like... I see the difference. It's not quite as luminous. Uh, and it doesn't render skin tones as deliciously. So I'm sticking with Portra 400 for the trip. I have a couple of odd film stocks. Right. I do have some Portra 160. I have some of the FPP Schwema 125. Uh, and one or two other things. But it's going to be Portra. And that seems to work well both indoors and outdoors on these shoots. Oh, that's great. Look at yeah. you at photo shoots. It's very exciting. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, that's this, what else can I tell you? That's Is there like anything a, I left out. Of yes, this you left narrative? one one particular thing out. Uh, yes, does she have a name? <laughs> she does. Uh, and if you go to my Instagram. It's S. Jeff Greenstein because Jeff Greenstein is a tax fraud fellow and you can find out her name. Um. <laughs> I will tell you this. She's absolutely lovely and amazing. And I did have the chance to sit down with her in New York when you were actually in L.A. And yeah. at this amazing, by the way, Japanese cake place, which I had yes. never been to. And it was yes. fascinating. That's true. You guys got to hang out. We got to I hang out. There. That's right. We got to hang out and we got to talk about photography and it was just really interesting 
getting a, you know, really a supermodel's perspective of film photography. Because she shot with obviously the best in the world and the best of the best. And you're sort of, it was really a fun talk of, you know, you know, look, my fascination comes with speed of doing things. So, so when, you know, we were talking about, you know, those photographers that were doing fashion week or whatever shoots and they're shooting on film on manual focus cameras, I can go on yes. and on, but my head yes. just starts spinning because I'm just going, first of all, how do they do runway? How do those guys on the risers with a manual yeah. camera with manual focus, you know, start doing that? It just, it was, it was really cool. It was really like a, a fun conversation. And also, you know, you learn a lot. So it was great. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just do a short, like, uh, just a short thing on this because yeah, she's very, very good at her job. Yeah. This is this that's the headline. She's yes. very, very good at her job. I, as I said, Gabe has done model photography. I have not. And I've never watched a photo shoot with a professional photographer and a professional model. So this is quite a thing to observe to see someone who is one of the best uh do what she does. Um I don't think I understood <laughs> what models do. Right. Because it isn't just, okay, it starts with you're handed a garment and you're probably, you probably have never seen it before. In many cases, you're handed a dress and you have to figure out how to showcase this in a way that is attractive and dynamic and interesting. So that's the first step. And then there is the dance with the photographer, right. okay? And also, wait, I'm also, and you walk onto a set, okay, and there is lighting. So you need to know where your best light is. Right. And again, where the best light is to showcase this garment, yeah. right? Then the dance begins between the photographer and the model. And one of the things that makes her so good at her job is the velocity with which she can deliver poses, facial expressions, different sorts of action. Uh, physicality, it is, it is, it requires athleticism, it requires acting, it requires relentless creative invention. I see why people speak of her with such reverence when they, it isn't just Well, in that world, look, in that world, it's all about choices. You need choices. You don't know what shot you're going to use. And in the world of Vogue and all these huge magazines... It's about getting that shot and you got, you know, you got that one shoot. It's not like you're going back again for another one. It's you get that shoot and you need as many choices and, and both the photographer and the model have to be, you know, at that level. Yeah. And just seeing them go through setup after setup, you know, and seeing how she responds to the click of the shutter and that's her cue to try something else and see how, I mean, there was a shoot yesterday with this red dress and there were these two very, very different kind of poses that she delivered, one of which was kind of end of the evening, late night, after the party, and the other was during the party, you know? (laughs) And it was really interesting. And yet in both cases, she's trying to showcase this dress to best advantage and also use the lighting in the space and the set. And it's remarkable to watch. Uh, I feel like the word model is kind of a misnomer because right. it implies passivity. 
it implies that you're a mannequin and nothing could be further from the right. truth. And I'm not just saying this because I like her so much. Right. I'm saying this because she's spectacularly good at her right. job. And That's it's fascinating amazing. to watch. Now, what cameras are you seeing? This is like, you know, what cameras have you come across? Well, I'm seeing, you know, okay, among the paparazzi, it's Canon 5Ds and 60s. I mean, a lot of the Canons is wow, what I'm interesting. seeing. Some Probably Nikons, R5s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that what I'm talking about? The, I, R, the I, newest ones are the R. I'm sure it's the R5s, R5s, R6s. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. Right, right. The, the photographer yesterday uh, is a Leica ambassador, and he was using a Leica SL2, which is a camera we have briefly spoken yeah. about on this show that is fascinating to me. It is. Because, of course, it can use the anything, L mount lenses. Anything, yeah. And M mount lenses. Yeah. Uh, really beautiful. He had the reporter edition. Wow. Which was sort of this like slate gray, really gorgeous. And he did the bulk of the shoot with the SL2. But he also had a M10D, one of the Hermes editions. It was in black Holy chrome moly. with red leather. And it had a uh, thumb rest that was in the shape of a Leica M3 winding lever. So it looked like a film camera. When I first looked at it, I thought, is that a film camera? Right. Also, it has no display on the back. So wow. it looks exactly like a film Leica. Um, and he had his father's 35mm F2 Summicron on it. So good. So he did a few shots with that. But the SL2 got the bulk of the work. So his name is Pat Domingo. He is a Vienna-based photographer of Filipino descent. And it was very interesting to watch him work. That's so he is cool. Pat Domingo on Instagram. Uh, very, very nice guy. Wants to be on the show. Awesome. Um, Excellent. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, that's what I've seen so far. Um, I don't know what today's shoot is going to be. <laughs> Apparently, there is a shoot happening in this uh, hotel suite. So Excellent. I'll uh, I'll take note. Oh, Guys, great. I just want to reiterate: this is quite uh, quite <laughs> quite an adventure. Oh yes, that I I never thought would be part of our narrative when we began <laughs> this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm very, very lucky, as it's, people keep telling me. It's very fun. <laughs> very and fun. And how are you, my friend? I am. I am. <laughs> how are things with you? What have you been doing? I am good. I've been doing some shoots. I was very happy to finally get, you know, I've had some issues, meaning myself, not the camera. But when I use the, um, the Black Paint M4, Oh, yeah. I just haven't had great results and I and it's you know huh. and it's because I'm not thinking as much. I'm so dependent on a meter that I'm just sort of not focusing on. And then this last shoot I I used it again and I shot with Tri-X and it came out exactly how it was supposed to. But it ah. took a few tries. It took a, it took a while to sort of not just second guess every exposure and like going, "Oh, I don't know." And the, so I've uh been shooting with that. I pulled out the Hasselblad, which I am, I'm telling you, I'm loving. And, uh, and it's fun because I've gotten together with a lot of, um, you know, photographers and, and, you know, going back and forth with lenses and comparing. I think that's probably the most fun that's come out of all these, you know, beers and cameras and Los Angeles Photography Club meetups is meeting people and then being able to get together with them one-on-one -on -one and talk about, you know, lenses. Like, you know, yeah. what are they loving? What, you know, and, and I had, you know, Dave Tata, which which we talked about, um, 
these 50 millimeter lenses and and we talked about the use of you know there's some lenses that are so clean and so perfect they almost don't give you a film look as bizarre as that sounds yes. yeah so we start we started talking about those lenses and you know i also have this new fascination with the you know canon eos 3 which i've said before and which is you know the canon film camera and using all these lenses i have i just you know i'm just sort of bringing these cameras i have not used a lot to the forefront and then shooting a bunch of all stuff right let me dig in on a few of the things you yeah. just mentioned okay i want to talk about getting out of sync with the m4 because it sounds like that's what yeah. happened yeah for a little while yeah what do you think it, do you think it's just that you hadn't shot with that specific machine in a while what was it that happened? Maybe. I I think that um, I you don't go through this because you're used to it. So, I mean, when, you know, when there's not a meter, it's not like, oh, my gosh. But I think when I don't have a meter in my head, I'm like, oh. you know, all of a sudden I need a calculator and I need measuring tape. And I need this whole ridiculous <laughs> regimen without I, just I have, going here. Yeah. I just can figure it out. And this time I just sort of. You know, it was very simple. I used that old, you know, the old-fashioned meter, the MR4, I think, that you guilted me into getting after not liking my electronic meter on my M4. Yes. And it worked great. <laughs> Everything worked great. It was fine. It, it just all came out like I wanted it to come out. And then I got and yeah. then I got this renewed confidence that we've talked about before. It's like I go, oh, yes. now I want to shoot that thing all the time. Here's a funny thing that happened yesterday. Um we were, you know, as I said, I was shooting backstage stuff in a studio right. during this shoot. And the photographer who was shooting with the SL2 had a handheld meter, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I was aware that I was in a primarily dark space with some pools of light at the center of the frame. So I could not rely on the X-Pans meter at all. So I was like, all right, I have to guess. And I've got Portra 400 in the camera. Right. So... He came up to me and he said, uh, uh, what are you shooting at? And I said, oh boy. I'm guessing. And I was like, oh, I'm on the spot. And I said, here's my guess. I'm shooting at a 30th of a second at 5.6. And he holds up the meter and I'm right on the money. Yeah, no, no, you've done that with me and it's crazy. <laughs> you've done that with me with my meter. And it's just, it's something I just can't wait to get to that point when I grow up. I'm very excited to get to that point where I, 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 I hate just to go, tell oh, you, yeah. it's because I've been shooting 400 speed film my entire life. Yeah. I think that's I think that's all it is. It's like I don't even do the mental conversion right. to go from like 125 or something. I just I kind and I'm shooting. Listen, I'm shooting a film with a pretty substantial latitude. Right. But you know, but I was very proud of myself that uh, that that my eye matched the meter. So good. Yeah. But no, I get it. I get it. You know, I think a lot of people, if they are accustomed to shooting with either their iPhone or with automatic cameras or whatever, you know, and they're faced with a scale focus camera right. or a meterless camera, you do kind of seize up for a minute. You right. get very concerned because you want your focus to be on getting the image right. and not like, ah, is right. it going to come through once I shoot it? So I, I get it. Yeah. But you did it. Uh, no, I was, so, it. I was so excited. And then uh yesterday i shot with olivia my friend olivia and we shot some digital and then shot the rz67 oh wow uh which i've not shot with a long time the hasselblad um 501cm and then the roloflex yeah. 2.82 and i just can't i'll bring those to the lab on monday but i'm very excited about 
you know, shooting those cameras. I just, I love do, it. Do all those have onboard meters? No, none of them have meters. What? None Aren't you in the same? No, I, well, I have with... the, I have my handheld, so I have my yeah. Siconic with my, my me, and it works great. So I'm never guessing, but it works it great, and I it doesn't bother me. The meter doesn't bother me, and it was such. We were in uh, Malibu Creek State Park, so it was pretty empty. Yeah. And it's, you know, just yeah. the wilderness up there. And uh, it was great. Simple. It's fun. Wow. Uh, doesn't the 2.8 E2 have a meter built in? Or do you no. just ignore it? No, it doesn't have a meter. That one doesn't have a meter. The 2.8 F has a meter that I have. I but... have a 3.5 E that I swear has a meter. Am I yeah, crazy? No. Maybe. No, it could. Right. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't rely on it, right? Because it's a hundred thousand years old, and uh, <laughs> you know it is still seeing photons from uh, you know from the ice age. Of course. Um, what other photographic projects are inbound in the coming weeks? What else do you have in going the coming on? weeks? Just just more shoots with friends. Just you know putting stuff together. I, I have been fascinated with um, Saul Leiter. I don't know if you know. Oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean he has beautiful yeah, sure. beautiful work and. You know, look, I keep getting obsessed with um, all these old, you know, film photographers. The other funny thing about your girlfriend being over at my house was that uh, went through photography books. And it was oh, just yes. fun. Yes, like, I remember this. It was not only fun getting perspective, but, of course, some of the photography books I had, she was it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But just looking at those, you know, the old, you know, from the 50s, you know, especially 40s and 50s and 60s, those photographers, I just, I'm fascinated with how they got their shots. And they're just, it was just a different world. Everything was so yeah. pristine and the wardrobe and the shots. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. You mentioned in our last episode. Yes. That you were going to be shooting with the Canon Flex RM. Yes. And the Pentagon 6TL. Have you gotten those results? And what were those experiences like? I absolutely am in love with the Pentagon 6TL. I have to tell you, wow. it has this 80 millimeter lens. And I posted a picture that I shot um, with Claire Hinckley, who's a friend of mine who I shoot often. Yeah, beautiful stuff. And, uh, and I love it. It just had that little tiny bit of distortion. It just, you know, beautiful, beautiful lens. The Canon Flex RM, I am still in the middle of that role. Oh, okay. I have not. It's, it's you know, a slower shooter for me. So uh, I will uh, keep shooting, and hopefully it will be great. That onboard meter works, right? Yeah. Or does it? <laughs> it ish? does. It, it works-ish. But I love yeah. it. I just I, love the camera. I, you like how it handles? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, just heavy. That's cool. it. That's all it is. It's just that's the only difference is that it's heavy. But Not as great. heavy as the Pentagon Six, baby. No, no, no. It's it's heavier than the Pentagon Six. What? No question. Yeah, no question. I'm surprised. Yeah, when you hold them, you'll be like, wow. "What?" Okay, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, I got to do a little shout out to Picture House Small Dark Room in New York City. By oh, the way. I love Speaking that. Speaking of labs, yeah. Um, I took the uh, film from the upstate New York trip. Uh, it was two rolls of, as I said, Ultramax, a roll of Ferrania P30, and a roll of X 250 <laughs> And they did an absolutely magnificent job. Uh, also, no upcharge for panoramic, and no upcharge for the fact that my hand-rolled roll of X 250 had 40 exposures on it. No way. 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I accidentally, I guess I lost count. You overrolled. Bulk loading. And I loaded 40 exposures into it. And they scanned every single That's one of them. That's so great. I love them. Uh, yeah, I I think sometimes labs charge for when there are extra exposures I'm beyond sure. 36. But these guys do not. They're very, very good. So if you are in, I guess what they call the tri-state area, these guys are terrific. They're in Chelsea. And uh, really easy to deal with. I bought my Portra from them uh, right before the trip. Uh, they had a great selection of films. Love these guys. Oh, I love Listen, it. we love the dark room on the West Coast. Yep. Okay? But... Uh, my East Coast lab uh, when I'm in New York City is uh, Picture House Small Dark. It's so interesting really you said that because when, um, you know, you've told me about bulk loading and we've talked about, you know, the canisters and the issues with the plastic ones and the issues with the other ones and the old ones. And anyway, but you told me you went to a lab and you got some old canisters, yeah. right? So anyway, yeah. so I was there at a 35 millimeter pro and Ben Yee and I was like, Ben. There's an entire box of canisters. Yeah. I said, look, Jeff was just telling me this whole thing. And he and he took them out and he actually showed me exactly. He said, yeah, tape it to this end and this yeah. kind of thing. Anyway, he gave me a bunch. So I'm going to I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to try it. I was so excited. I was so excited. You got to do it. He goes, that's what he said. He goes, try it. You know, so I really will fun. tell you this, too. Ferrania P30 is fine. I like it. Yeah. It's a nice to me. It is a specialty stock. You use that when, because the skin tones are bizarre because it's orthochromatic, not panchromatic. So right. you get very, very strange. Uh, if you try to use it for portraits, you get very, very strange results. For landscapes, it's nice. Super high contrast, slow speed film. It's nice. Right. Okay. No knock on Ferrari P30. Double X250. My God, do I love that stock. I just love it. Okay. Like, it's my favorite black and white, I think. That's if I, great. unless, unless Panatomic X were to drop out of the sky. Right. Double uh, X is like right on the money. It is not too fast, not too slow. You know, you can push it. Every, you know, it is just a. I don't know why it's not a consumer film stock. I mean, obviously you can get it right. as BWXX from Cinestill. I don't know why, because to me it is slightly smoother than Tri-X and um, maybe not quite as versatile. But I just I love the way it looks. It works for everything. Why and do you I think it's not? A, three, why do you think it's not a? Um, I don't stock know. That, like I'm interested because I was just looking it up. I'm just going why? Like I wonder yeah, what that decision a, was. I mean, maybe because I mean, look, Kodak doesn't make Plus X anymore either. Right. I mean, they make uh, what? What's their slow speed black and white? Do they even make one anymore? Am That's I? A good question. Oh, T Max. Right, they make right, the T Maxes. Right, right. So yeah, they have a T Max 100 and so forth. Their slower speed films are T Maxes. That's that T grain, which is slightly different than the look of like. Tri-X and double X. Right. So maybe they figure their T-Maxes are holding that section and of the market and that they don't need a 200-speed, you know, uh, conventional grain film. But I love it. And I just happened to, when I was loading up my Ziploc bag of film, I had four rolls of double X that I had bulk loaded and just dropped them in the bag. And I'm very glad I did. Oh, good. Um, it's a very flexible, versatile stock. And to me, that alone makes bulk loading work fit. Right. You know... I had bulk loaded Pan F for the summer uh, last year because I was really into shooting slow speed black and white. But the thing is, you can buy Pan F. Yeah. You can't buy double X. And it's, you can get a hundred roll, you can get a hundred foot roll of double uh, X from ultra fine online for about a hundred bucks. 
So what that, I mean, what is that? That's eight or nine dollars a roll, right? I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just saying that it, I, I may be getting together with someone from Kodak in the next few weeks. So I'm going to ask that question. Ask them. Yeah. Yeah, ask them. Yeah, ask them why it's not commercially available. Right. I will. That would be very interesting. I will. Because lots and lots of people, not just Cinestill, I see people on eBay who are selling re-roll right. double X. Right. You know, it's a great way to make some money. But uh, I find that it, it alone justifies the inconvenience of bulk loading. It's cheap and it's excellent. Right. That's awesome. Gabe. Yes. Do you know that we have a prodigious mailbag? Oh, this is very exciting. I always love prodigious yeah. anything. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you. We are going to take a it's, a... it's running at about 20 deep right now. Uh, Let's and rock so it. with this, I wish I spoke German so I could do what I'm about to do in German. But we are going to take a dip into Das Prodigious Mailbag. Well done. All right. That was terrible. By the way, that's mailbag in German for those who didn't yes, understand. Yes, that's right. Mailbag. Yes. Uh, well, Bruce Horn writes, this is from late May. He said, okay, here the subject line, Decoromatic 4D. Whoa. This is D-A-C-O-R-A. Okay, so he said, this was mentioned on a previous episode. He said, I had never heard of Decora before your latest podcast, but of course I had to look them up right away. Most of their cameras seem to be pretty ordinary viewfinder cameras of the styles you would find in the 40s through 70s from Argus, Sears, etc. But you must take a look at this camera, the Decoramatic 4D. And he provides a link, okay? Oh, yeah. This is the description. It, he said... I love the icons on each of the four shutter buttons, a different button for each distance setting on the camera. It's the coolest it thing a, ever. It, it is, is so, so damn cool. cool. It's amazing. It's almost like playing an accordion. Yes. <laughs> these four buttons, I mean, it's, the, it's, it's their version of the standard, you know, mountain, two guys, one guy kind of scale focus thing. But these buttons are so cool. They're like little cartoons yeah. of cuteness so in good. red and black. Decor with an A. Decoromatic 4D, guys. Look it up. Bruce, thank you for the tip. Awesome. Next up, Krister Brandt says, on the subject of foundish film, he says, hi, guys. I have a pretty odd story about found film. Let's start with that I'm not the most organized person in the world. I tend to save my color film till I have about 20 rolls so that, so that I can go through a batch of C41 chems in a short time. Right. Not me, baby. I have to develop every roll. Right. I stashed them in a bag, most of them unmarked. And my latest batch, which was after a move, there was a roll I didn't recognize the negatives on at all. There seemed to uh, be pictures of drag racing and grandstands. <laughs> Nothing I remember taking pictures of. At a closer look, one of the frames had a person on it. I put it on a light pad, shot it with my phone. It was a picture of my son taken 19 years ago. Oh my, that's amazing. I must amazing. have found the roll, yeah, in a box somewhere in the move and just tossed it in the bag with the other ones, not knowing where it came from. Pretty cool that there was something left at all on the film after 19 years of unknown storage. Wow. It's a beautiful portrait. How cool. Thank you. Has anyone had that experience? A lost and found oh, so roll good. of film. Cool story, Christopher Brandt. I also need to once again give a shout out to the great Alan Perez for his ongoing series where he keeps informing me of amazing places to go 
in these destinations. I can't read every single one of them, Alan, but you're awesome. He gave me a tip for a Vienna camera shop, which I believe I will be going to today. Oh, because please, as I said, please go. Hotel, yes, I'm going to go. It is called Fotoraritatem, which I think means rare photo. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it is small with limited hours, but has a nice selection. Probably closed on Sunday, come to think of it. But Alan, there is email after email from this guy with lots of recommendations for places to go on the trip. So thank you for that. Okay. Martin McPherson <laughs> wrote in a previous episode about medium format rectangular aspect SLRs. Bruce Horn wrote in with some ideas. Here's what he said. If you want the most usable, go with a 645 from Bronica, Mamiya, or Pentax. Would you agree with that, Gabe? Uh, yes. I mean, yeah. You love a 645. I do love a certain 645. Uh, so, so, so I did like, I, I don't know what it is, but um, I do love the contact 645. Well, this is what he goes on to say. Yeah. He says, decide whether you want in interchangeable film backs. I expect those with fixed back would be a bit cheaper. Bah, bah, bah. If you don't mind spending lots of money, yeah. contacts and Roli make some really nice 645s. Okay, let me tell you something. That, that, the Roli 645, I need to know what that is because all I know is the SL66, and I thought that was a 6x6. Oh. So I'm not familiar with it, but I'm sure he will know better, but... That let me just tell you, that's one of my bucket list cameras, that SL sixty six. And every yeah. single camera repair person we know, every single one of oh. them says, do not buy it. It yes, is a mess. Everyone says that. Yeah. It is supposed to be one of the worst cameras ever the made. The worst, but, but beautiful, I bet. So cool looking. So cool. So cool looking. He also says, if you want something more quirky and antique feeling and probably cheap, look at the Kiev sixty, a Hasselblad clone. We talked about this. I believe I, who know nothing of Russian cameras, pitched look for a Russian camera yeah. with this aspect ratio. Yep. Uh, he said he ended up selling his because it was heavy, and I couldn't get over the sound winding the shutter made, which sounded like someone rolling aluminum foil onto a roll. <laughs> he said if you want something seriously antique, check out the National Graflex Series 2. He said if you don't mind carrying a 5-plus pound brick, Get ready. I've never heard of this. Take a look at the Ritrek Optica 2A 6x9 SLR. That I don't know. Holy cow. Anyway, that is Bruce Horn's take. Next up, we had a question about easy-to-read 120 backing paper. Right. Okay? Really, really good question. We did not have an answer. Tom North and Scold, our faithful correspondent and crazed fan, said... Every camera on the shelf in this photo requires me to read the frame numbers. And he provides, a, a, my God, a beautiful tableau of all of his folders. He says, without a doubt, FOMA Films, also available as Arista in the States, have the easiest to read frame numbers. There's no comparison. The print is beautifully dark. That's great. His favorite FOMA film is FOMA 200. 100 is also nice. Both can be shot at box speed with ex excellent results. FOMA 400, on the other hand, prefers to be overexposed a stop. This is a widely known thing with FOMA 400. He said they're a terrific value, typically running at a third to a half off the big name prices. Good tip. Tom, he also suggests that we do a show about folders, which I guess we'll do at some yeah, point. We no, talked totally. about them a little bit, but only a little bit. 
There are several Alan Perez emails. However, and I, as I said, I love this guy. He's, I feel like I'm involved in an ongoing conversation with Alan. <laughs> he said about hand-checking loaded cameras. Oh, yes. He said, huh, he said, after I listened to episode 54, even better than an episode of Car 54, thank you for that antique reference, Alan. <laughs> he said, I kept thinking about the hand check of loaded cameras and realized you are highly unlikely to ever have that happen. A camera, even a small one like the XA4, can still hold a lot of nefarious stuff, and I don't mean ISO 25 slide film. <laughs> Airport security would be derelict in their duty by not opening the camera. He's right. This is the thing. I guess we need to get in the habit of shooting out the roll and not expecting them to hand check. A it's camera so itself. funny you say that because in my head, I keep it in the camera because they're not going to open up the camera. Yeah. That's just in my yeah, head. And you're absolutely right. Maybe they will. Yeah. I know. Okay. So I'm going to skip through a couple more Alan emails. He's amazing. Okay. Uh, just real quick, there were a couple of comments on our YouTube video from episode 50. Rhett Anderson provided some love for the Canon EF. We know we love that. We also have one, a comment from somebody called Fly Motives. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe people are still taking me to task for my attitudes on Vivian Meyer? Oh, it's going to continue, my friend. He says... With the curation part, at the end of the day, it was all shot by her. Whether or not it would be to her liking is a pointless argument. She is now gone. Her perspective is beautiful. I don't believe, I don't agree with people who say that photography needs to be, always be so profound. Sometimes it's just good and beautiful. The fact that we gained a new perspective from that period, from someone who captured very well, is something that should be appreciated. Her images are beautiful, and what photographer has 100% flawless images? None. Gabe, I give up. Vivian Meyer is the greatest photographer of all time. You've said it, and now people will be happy. Perfect. Fantastic. I would like somebody to sample that for a dance track. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say to you people. It's all As good. As I said, I utterly give up. Yep. Okay? All it's good. It's fine. All you good. win. You've beaten me down. Now next, try and beat me down that you, uh, you, you don't need self-timers. <laughs> um William Hamblin also chimed in to say Arista.edu Ultra in size 120 has bold numbers plus it's cheap. Okay, next up, Reimer Junkerstorf regarding a converter for the Fuji 690. He said, gentlemen, hello from down under again. I thought I would share this with you. This is a mask that inserts into a Fuji 690 medium format camera and allows use of 35 millimeter film to create Hasselblad X-Pan-like panorama images. Admittedly, the 690, the Texas Leica, is a rather large camera. Cheers, Rye Junkersdorf. Have you used these guys, these masks, so you can shoot? Okay. Never. Never, and I have I, the one for the Roloflex, but yeah, I have They that. are so damn fun. Yeah. I used one, as I've mentioned, in the Pentax 6.7, and with the 45 millimeter lens, using one of these masks in the 6.7 gives you exactly the same image you would get out of an X-Pan. 24 by 65 millimeter image with a 45 millimeter lens. That's so cool. The only knock on it is that loading and rewinding is a pain in the butt. But these things are cheap. They're not more than like 20 bucks. Right. I would urge folks to experiment with them. Next up, Martin McPherson. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just needed to do that. You need to get it out. He, he, <laughs> he has the subject line, M42 tin, M42 Wearson. Oh my goodness. 
He said, Hiya, awesome dudes. Well, you convinced me, and I did it. I purchased a Pentax SV for only $35 on eBay. That's awesome. $35. It's dirty, and the slow speeds drag if it sits around too long, but nothing a little elbow grease can't fix, or rather a few squirts of naphtha and a touch of sewing machine oil. My My lens selection is a bit meh, but covers a nice spectrum of Mamiya Secor, Vivitar, and Bushnell. I want to match a Super Takamar to the lovely lines of the SV, but it'll have to wait. I'm thinking of taking your advice and popping some film in it and just guessing on exposure. It's certainly something I think photographers should have a touch of in their repertoire, even if it's as simple as Sunny 16. I know you guys have your secret magic repairman, but have you ever done any repair or maintenance or cleaning gear yourself? Before becoming a dad, I had the time and energy to dedicate to some of that myself, and I have a working Polaroid SX70 and Yashica Mat 124G to show for it. These days, there's less time spent perusing the as-is listing for deals. Alas, always a pleasure. Hope you're well. Martin McPherson, Audioper on Instagram. Gabe! Have you ever tried repairing cameras yourself? I have tried doing adjustments and I have definitely done some cleaning and it scares the heck out of me. You know, I look, we all have friends who are happily will take a camera apart and love tinkering inside. And somehow I'm the person who's always going to forget a screw somewhere. And I'm going to like that. That's my fear. So, yeah, I don't do it so much. And I'd love to learn, though. Yeah, I tried to fix a stubborn SX-70 and failed, uh, so I sent it to Brooklyn Film Camera, and they did a great job. I don't want to open anything up. The closest I get is replacing light seals, which I am great at. I actually did that on the uh, both of the Mamiya's, the uh, 1000 DTL and 2000 DTL. I have a lot of that light seal material. Yeah. And... You know, it's labor-intensive with a toothpick and uh, alcohol or goo gone, but I love doing it, and the camera feels so fresh and nice oh, good. after I do it. But that's as far as it goes. Next up, thank you for that email. <laughs> thank you for that email. Martin McPherson! <laughs> uh, next up, we have David Wells. This is in response to our call-out for favorite camera shops. He said, I heard your call for your favorite camera shops, and I want to give a shout-out to Vermont Camera Works. A tiny little shop tucked into Jim and Liz McRae's home in Pittsburgh, Vermont. Holy hmm. cow. I bought my first SLR from Jim in 1986 and have now brought both my Leica 3G and my father's Minolta X570 to Jim to repair. He has a fantastic collection of gear for sale, including the Olympus Trip 35, 100mm Olympus Zuiko lens that I bought. If you're looking for a classic Zeiss or Roloflex, Jim's your guy. Oh, that's great to hear. He even has four Voigtlander Superbs in his display case. Did I mention his shop is amazing? Only open from Thursday to Sunday. Like every great repairman, he has a backlog, so it's best to call ahead. Best, David, the camera and typewriter guy. Boy, the pictures from this shop are incredible. Oh, I, Guys, I, check I, it I may out. be there, so I may uh, yeah. have Vermont to go Vermont Camera Works, great tip, David Wells. Love it. Okay, next up, Roberto Martinez. Yes. Says, an accent I haven't done in a while. By the way, I am trying to speak Czech. Give me something in Czech. Give me a little, uh, what's something in Czech that... uh, There's only one word I can reliably say in Czech. Yes. Milachku. Uh, And what does Milachku mean? Darling. 
Oh, there you go. Milachku. <laughs> That's it. Well done. Uh, but my Czech accent is terrible. I'm, I'm, there is a particular vowel sound. Well, not, no. They have no vowels. No vowels. Vowel technology is still making its way to the Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, but my Czech uh, is abysmal. I keep doing Vanna Herzog. And it, you know, or my accent becomes Hebrew. I'm terrible. Uh, anyway, Roberto says I have recently been invited to a friend's wedding in Vietnam. Oh, wow. While it is exciting, it also comes with the confusion of which camera to bring. I only want to bring two. My main shooter will be either my Canon AE-1, but electronic issues worry me, or the Leica CL, my daily shooter. Not sure which one would be best. Now for the second shooter, I want a point and shoot. I have a Kanaka Genba Kantoku, but it's big and bulky. I don't know what that is. Me neither. I want something to slip in a pocket during the celebrations. I'm looking at either the Fuji Class or the Ricoh GR1. Is it worth getting a point and shoot just for this trip? Any thoughts or encouragement? Best Roberto! What do you say, Gabe? Yeah, first of all, I definitely think the CL as one. Yeah. And I think the Me other too. the other would be to in my mind the GR one. I think that's what he said. Uh, and I and look, yeah. the class, the other one's great too. But the GR one feels in my head, if you get if you have a great one in great condition, it's gonna be great for you. And yeah. I know a I'll lot tell you of what I would do with it. You know what I would do, Gabe? You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. I would just bring the CL. Yes, I know. I know. I would just bring the CL. You're so daring. But I know. I mean, I don't have a Fuji class. That is a Matt Murray favorite. I hear it's great. Um, a point and shoot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've never used the Ricoh GR1, but they're pretty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say it's about time to close our prodigious mailbag. And who better? To close it out for now, Van. Brian McDonald! <laughs> you it's so amazing you how bad I am with Czech. You're nine when, hours when, ahead, when, I understand. When, uh, <laughs> here's what he says. He's talking about Olympi. Yes. He said, on the last episode you discussed the Olympus 35 SP. I went down a fixed lens rangefinder rabbit hole during the first COVID lockdown, and I came out the other end, having chosen this camera over all the others, and finally overpaying for it on Etsy. It is a great camera, and I think I made the right choice, but it had a stiff shutter button and a small amount of lens rattle. These issues were blocking my joy, so I sent it in for repair, which took months. Ugh. Much to my dismay, it got ga- damaged on the way back, creating a new issue with the winder. Ugh. The repair guy took it in again, and now all is in order, except the lens rattle is worse. I despair. Oh, what a pain. Up until this week, the SP was my only rangefinder. On my third attempt, I finally got my hands on a fully functioning Olympus XA with A11 flash at a good price, and it arrived yesterday. I'm only a few shots into my first roll, and I love it already. It's a wonderful little camera. Continued best, and here is how he spelled his name. Brian Muck Donal. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Just to be helpful. I have said I didn't love my SP. I mean, well, I didn't love my SP. I didn't even love my Olympus 35RD that much, though the lens was lovely. Interestingly, I did have an XA, but I found the rangefinder superfluous. Why? On a camera that small, it just seemed like more trouble than it was worth. I like the XA4 better. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me. Yeah. So I wish you well with that XA. I mean, it's a beautiful little lens. I just wonder over time, Brian, whether you will find the rangefinder as superfluous as I did. Uh, 
But it is a fun, fun little camera, and the XA form factor is unparalleled if you're looking for something oh, totally. to slip in your pocket. You know what? I'm going to do... Well, no, no, no. That's it. You know what? I was going to say one more, but no. We're going to save that for our next fantastic episode, which I don't know where I'll be. I might be back by then. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. We'll but uh, with that, we will close Das Prodigious Mailbag! And the mailbag. <laughs> oh, Gabe, this has been an XL episode. This really we might has. Have, uh, we might have busted the one hour. I love it. Uh, from Vienna. Whom do we have to thank? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think we have to first thank the our five-time Emmy Award winning I was gonna composer, say. Fred Corey. Yeah. Took home a fistful of Emmys yes, last night. Three. Unbelievable. Uh, it's very exciting. So um, congratulations, like Fred Like a Q shooter. Oh, yes. multiple Emmy winner, Fred Corey. Oh, yes. And he has this new Q, and he's so excited about it. We went out, and we had a little lesson going back and forth, which nice. was very fun. And I'm just saying that we went to this empty restaurant, and there was maybe two other patrons there, and one of them was Johnny Mathis. So nice. It was kind Holy of Holy cow. Yeah, it was kind of exciting. It was very wow. exciting. And then um, chances are chances. you're never gonna run into Johnny Mathis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um it was, uh, I gotta say I'm very proud of myself. Yes, that was a good one. That, very proud of myself. Um and of course uh, Keith, wait, I guess you gotta say follow Fred Corey on Instagram. C O U R Y. Yes. Okay, please, he's in like a shooter, please guys. Please do. And then the amazing Keith Greenstein, who is an Olympus shooter Olympus, and very oh, and excited one about shooting and loves photography now. And it's uh, very exciting that he has given us a look and a logo and something to hand out when we run into photographers on the street. Check out our merch, guys, designed by Keith. It's yes. on the merch page at idreamofcameras.com. I did just have my occasional sibling reunion with my brother Keith, my brother Stephen, and my beloved sister Jill. And uh, we took a lot of amazing pictures in Saugerties, New York, some of which you will find on our Instagrams. Uh, who, gosh, let's see. Okay. Uh, email us, yes. idreamofcameras at gmail.com. We are eager to fill up Das Prodigious Mailbag. Uh, you may find idreamofcameras.com to be a one-stop shop for yes. all of your iDream of Cameras needs. As for Instagram, follow Gabe Sachs. He is Gabe Sachs on Instagram. I have a burgeoning Instagram following for all the wrong reasons at S. Jeff Greenstein because Jeff Greenstein is a tax fraud felon who I have blown off the front page of the Google search oh, results. Oh, yes. Take that, you felon. <laughs> you felon, you. <laughs> Gabe, this has been a delight. What Our a most fun transcontinental time. episode yet. Oh, it is yes. 1.20 a.m. in Los Angeles, oh, California. Yes, it is. As we wrap this one up. I love it. I love it. I love it. Walk us out of here. I miss you like crazy. Let oh, me just say I miss it. you I miss too. You and like hopefully uh, we will be together in a couple weeks. I would love that. It'll okay. be very, All very right. fun. But uh, um, go on some photo adventures. Yes. I have to tell you that. You know, it's summertime. There's tons of things to do. There's tons of people out in the world. And I would, I would, you know, approach people for portraits if you want to do that. Or go hit the streets and get some street photography out of your system. But uh, try something new. That's what I, I'm feeling this week is everyone should try something new and let us know how it goes. 
We will see you next episode, number 56. Is it possible? 